Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first installment of Behind the Story, the new 18 Bridges Magazine podcast. My name is Curtis Gillespie. I'm the editor. We were sitting around the office one day, not so long ago, talking about the amazing stories that our writers tell. And we all agreed that the stories behind the stories are pretty amazing, too. And so we thought maybe we should follow up on that. The result is Behind the Story, this podcast where we take one story and one writer per episode and talk about the things that happened along the way to creating some of the finest long-form writing being published in Canada today. Where the idea came from, the stops and starts, the crazy characters, stories about how they did it, how they managed to take something from a niggling idea in their head to publishing award-winning writing, the story behind the story. For Behind the Story number one, I am delighted to be talking with Lisa Gregoire. Lisa has tremendous experience in the journalism world, having worked at many outlets, winning lots of awards. She's currently the managing editor at the Nanatsiak News, and she lives in Ottawa with her husband, the writer Dan Rubenstein, and their twin daughters. Lisa is the author of Breathing Holes, the personal narrative essay she published in the winter 2015 issue of 18 Bridges. Breathing Holes is the amazing story of Lisa attempting to come to grips with the reality that her life was still being impacted by a personal trauma she thought she'd overcome. It's a moving, insightful, unsettling, and ultimately beautiful story. We were lucky enough to get the chance to talk the day after Lisa won the gold medal for Best Essay at the 2016 National Magazine Awards. Lisa, thank you for being the inaugural interview on Behind the Story. Welcome. Thank you very much. That's... How, are you, how are you feeling today? <laughs> I'm a little tired, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, thrilled to be here. Thank you for that lovely intro. A little intro. bit of celebrating last night? There was some celebrating, yeah. We we, uh, we did some celebrating, yes, Excellent. I would say. Well-deserved. Well Thank you. Uh, Lisa, before we get started, uh, maybe just for those listeners who have not yet had the the pleasure of reading Breathing Holes, maybe you can just give us a short synopsis of uh, of the article. Breathing Holes is a story of um, of some events that I suffered about 20 years ago when I was uh, living as a reporter in Akaluit, uh and working for Nanatsiak News. And the story is, is about my reconciliation with the person that I was back then and the abuse that I suffered, the assaults that I underwent, and the court process, and how I reconciled that with who I became 20 years later. A real search for identity. It was a search for identity and and also a a chance to uh, try to remember what happened, why it happened, and how that was still, unbeknownst to me, impacting who I am today. You and I first talked, uh, I think it was probably in the summer of 2015, uh, about the story that you wanted to write, the story that ultimately became Breathing Holes. Uh, maybe take us back to that time or even before that time and tell us about what was happening in your life and your work uh, that made you think this was a story that you just had to pursue. Well, that's kind of an interesting story because, um, of course, the the venue for this these traumatic experiences I had uh, were was a Callowit. Um I was working for a newspaper then, Nanetsiak News. I was a reporter then. So when I went back to work for Nanetsiak News, I 
I started thinking about my experiences more. And and just let me say that not all my experiences in Iqaluit when I was there as a young reporter were bad. They no, were tremendous. I had yeah. some great experiences mm-hmm. then and met some amazing people, and some of whom are still friends of mine today. But uh, but yeah, there was, you know, I'm I'm editing a lot of stories, about, uh, court stories about um Violence and women experiencing violence, and how many years after again was it? So it was like twenty years. Twenty years, yeah. <clears throat> and it wasn't. It's not like I'd forgotten it. It wasn't like a lost memory, um, something that I, you know, suddenly remembered mm-hmm. happened. I just felt like it was something that I was so far behind me and so far in the past that wasn't really impacting me anymore. But what I found was that the longer I stayed at the paper and the more I traveled to Iqaluit regularly, the more I was thinking about these experiences that I'd had. So it was almost like I'd, I'd sort of put them aside and started mm-hmm. living another life for right. many years. And it was, I guess it was just being in that environment again, physically going up to Iqaluit visiting mm-hmm. and also uh, the stories that I was writing, the stories that I was editing, were bringing up a lot of memories for mm-hmm. me. So I felt was like it, was it a, a, a? I mean, obviously, it was a shock at some level or a surprise that these memories and feelings started reemerging. Because I think it's fair to say, and I don't say this just because I know you uh, outside of our professional lives, but you had a very successful life. Mm. You know, great relationship, wonderful kids, very successful professionally. Did it come as a surprise to you that these things reemerged? Yes, <laughs> actually, uh, because I, and that's that sort of became the crux yeah. of the story, which is what is your identity and and who do you make yourself out to be? Who do you believe yourself to be? Uh, and how do your memories impact you? Um, how do you shape that identity over the years? So, so yeah, I, I remember when I was talking to you about it, I was saying that I felt strangely separated from those mm-hmm. memories. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, I didn't feel like that person was me anymore. And, of course, we... It's all you. It, it's been me from, you know, <laughs> since <Right>. I was a baby. <laughs> it's all the same person. Yeah. but. It's strange how we tend to separate ourselves sometimes from things that, and we feel like, oh well, that really wasn't me. Mm-hmm. I had it was it was a, it was a sort of yeah it was it was a strange feeling that I, sure I'd experienced it but I was different now. It wasn't true. In fact, some of the mistakes I made, some of the uh, decisions that I made, uh, were decisions that I made. And I had to find out, I kind of had to find out why I made them. I guess mm. that became the quest was, if that really is me, then who who is that? And what motivated her? Mm-hmm. And what motivated ultimately me? Now that, I mean, it's such a poignant and beautifully written story, that's how we experience it. Uh, when you were working through these things, did you even think that it was something you were going to have to write about or was it just like man I gotta figure some of this stuff out and uh, did it shape itself as a story to you or was it just like this yeah not at first it wasn't a story at all mm. but I'll I'll quote a, a good friend of ours and uh, a great editor in his own right Rick Boychuk yes. who once said to me write what you know and that didn't occur to me right away to me, it was, uh, you know, 
sure writing is therapy, but <laughs> I didn't want this to become a story. Right. This is a personal story. Sure. So I I was dealing with these feelings. I decided maybe I should go start seeing a professional, <laughs> you know, right. psychologist or somebody to help me through some of this stuff. I wasn't that I obviously wasn't dealing with or hadn't dealt with properly. And one night, I honestly, it was like a revelation. I, I, I'm a chronic insomniac, and mm. so it was two in the morning, one morning, and I couldn't sleep, and I was just, I thought, well, I'm just going to get up and take out a notepad or something, which I often do, write down my thoughts. And it just kind of came to me that this is a, this is a story. Like, this is my story. I'm going to write, I'm going to report on my story. I'm going to, and I'm going to try to get at it from different angles, mm -hmm. I guess that's a way that I continued to separate from it was that I was still the third person looking in on my own story. But at the time, it seemed like an interesting idea mm -hmm. that I could I could write this as a story about me, but perhaps it would have some kind of universal appeal. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember going through like page after page. I, I sat there for half an hour and just wrote wow. uh, and and thought, this is great. I'm going to, this is, this is going to be a story. Yeah. Uh, I'm, this I'm is gonna what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to investigate myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, like I say, was just one more way of, of, um, of, of separating myself right. from it. But still, I was getting closer to it. Mm -hmm. I was, I was, you know, at least I was thinking, okay, well, let's investigate it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it was almost as a, you know, as a separate person doing that again. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe that's just part of the, the you know, you have to go through stages. Mm. You have to go through steps. You're exactly. not going to just, you know, reach the the holy <laughs> the holy land, you know, in mm -hmm. step mm -hmm. one. It was, mm -hmm. That was obviously mm -hmm. one of the stages mm -hmm. that you had to mm -hmm. go through. And I also, yeah. I remember being kind of excited about it because I thought this is, I thought it was unique until I talked to Crail, yes. uh, who's also an editor at yeah. uh, 18 Bridges, our colleague, and <laughs> she... she made some comment. I remember saying, you know, yeah, I thought this was such a unique idea. And like, I love when I come up with something unique, thinking, you know, first person. And she said, actually, there was a book that this, I guess this, and I can't remember the author now, but he was a, he had been a drug addict, a functioning drug addict with it, with a family. And he decided to do a similar thing, which was once he got clean, go around and interview some mm -hmm. people that that he used to hang out with and mm -hmm. his, his drug dealer and so forth to say, who was I? Right. What was I in that, in the throes of this period of my life? I'm trying to yeah. figure out who I was. So it was a similar, similar. not, you yes. know, I, it was yes. still an original idea. But. <laughs> Even though that was an early uh, entry point into the story for you that you ultimately decided to not use, I would say, as the, the main structural device. I was still fascinated with uh, the way in the story you, you know, you talked about tracking down documents, going back to some of your old haunts, talking to people you used to work with and you were friendly uh, with some of those people. And you talked in the story about speaking to former colleagues to say, who was Lisa? Mm. Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, were you were you surprised by what you mm -hmm. heard? Shocked yes. by what you heard? Some things I didn't remember. Because what an opportunity. Everybody so should us, do it. I know. So few <laughs> of us, well, we'd probably all be terrified to do it. <laughs> Once you get to be my age, you should do it. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's kind of an old lady's pursuit or an old man's <laughs> pursuit, but it was fascinating uh, because for instance, I talked to my dad, and he, he told me stories that I'd never heard. And, you know, my dad's 85 years old, yeah. uh, and I can't believe I'm still learning things about him, but but he shared some things with me. And 
and also, yes, my, my former editor, uh, Todd Phillips. Todd, if you're listening out there, <laughs> thanks for chatting with me. Your former editor in the yes, North. Yes, former yeah. editor. He, yeah. he lives in Ontario now. And, right. and um, we, we just had a great conversation. We talked for about 45 minutes, and mm-hmm. he brought up some memories. It made me laugh, uh, which was good as well, because he brought up some things that I, I didn't remember. And, of course, we all we all remember things differently. I mean, we all store away certain memories mm-hmm. for certain reasons. It's not even clear. Mm-hmm. Part of the story's intrigue for me was was uh, researching that, about how we store memories and why, right. um, which was fascinating. But, but yeah, Todd reminded me of a few things, and I was like, oh, my God, I, I can't remember, I, or I can't believe I didn't remember that. I was quite... Uh, I, I quite enjoyed hearing him tell some stories, yeah. and of course, some things I did remember. Sure. But yes, that was that was an that was an interesting part of the story, and and I hoped uh, a way to show that I was trying to be honest. You know, I wanted to show mm-hmm. readers that I was prepared to hear some things that I didn't like. And mm-hmm. for instance, you know, Todd told me, like, you know, when I was thinking back to that time, I thought of myself as you know, a victim of violence. Mm-hmm. And I, and I was, but in talking to Todd, it was like, huh, maybe I made some bad decisions, you know? <laughs> hmm, right. <clears throat> and he would, you know, he would say, well, I, you know, I, I remember telling you that maybe, you know, you were doing something or maybe you should, you should have a, you know, a, maybe you're going down a, a wrong path here and, yeah. and I would make fun of him and, and I would suddenly remember doing all that and I was like, oh, okay, so we're not, it's not so black and white there where I was like poor me back then. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> maybe I could have done some things differently. Again, not to blame the victim, but but it was interesting to um, that it, it was not so cut and dried and there was a lot of gray areas then sure. and, and I, it was enlightening to yeah. hear those stories again. The that that is fascinating to hear about these the way you went back and you talked to these people and you heard about this person Lisa uh, who was you twenty years ago twenty five years ago uh, and and trying to connect that with the Lisa of today and in a way some of those things perhaps for various emotional psychological reasons you naturally separated them a little bit but were you able through this process of hearing what you know Todd would say and what other people would say of saying okay I can weave those two together I can see how that person became me today yes uh yes I was able to do that in the end and that was partly uh, thanks to you, <laughs> Curtis, because in the beginning, as as you know, we had this conversation and I told you, I have this great idea. I'm going to do this investigation on myself. And you said, that's great. That's that's great and interesting. But you could you saw a broader theme there about identity and about memory. And you said the story can't be just that, or, or you suggested, I don't think you said can't, but you, you, I think you suggested that maybe there was something more to it than just um, this interesting device about investigating yourself. Maybe what you want to do is talk about identity and memory and how those things change over the years. And mm-hmm. I, I'll never forget it because it really, it, it, it opened up the story for me and suddenly I saw, I saw um, a broader picture and yes in the end I believe I did integrate Mm -hmm. 
the me. I stopped calling her her and yes. started calling her me. And I think it was mostly about forgiveness. And it's it's interesting. I don't know why it was, but I think that I blamed myself, perhaps, and I couldn't forgive myself for being, quote unquote, reckless or mm -hmm. dumb or weak or mm -hmm. all these things that you sort of, these words you pin on yourself because of the behavior you had or the decisions you made, you sort of give yourself these labels. And I had to, you know, say, yeah, I made some bad decisions, but that doesn't mean I was dumb, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, I was, I made myself and I put myself into vulnerable positions. It doesn't mean I was weak. Um, so if you take the labels off and you just look at the behavior and say, okay, I, I made some mistakes. Don't we all? We mm -hmm. all do. I keep making mistakes. Mm -hmm. Damn it. I <laughs> wish I would stop making mistakes. But in fact, of course, the mistakes you make are the ones that teach you lessons, especially the ones that scare you but don't kill you. Right. Those right. are the ones you really remember. Yes. So I was able to forgive myself for acting the way I did and also forgive um, my partner at the time mm -hmm. for doing what he did. For doing you know? it. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Why do you think we don't forgive ourselves? We I don't know. On ourselves? Because we don't study Buddhism enough. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That really helped, I'm telling yeah. you. Uh, some of the, uh, you know, that the past is in the past and that yeah. you carry around these things. And, and I think if we could all just forgive ourselves for acting the way we did. And, and I don't know if even that's the right word. I mean, that's worked for me, yeah. this idea of forgiveness, forgiving yourself and forgiving others. Mm -hmm. But I I think, yeah, we carry around these things and we, we have... I don't know why we cling to those stories. Mm -hmm. I don't know why we make those labels and we cling to them. Because they're familiar, because it's easier mm -hmm. to just, uh, that's the story. A that's a way to get through the day yeah. and say that's, she's this, I was that, whatever, and, mm -hmm. and move on. Mm -hmm. um, of course, we, we don't really move on because there's nothing to move on from. It's yourself. It's, <laughs> it's all right. in there. Yeah. So you can't, yes. you know, but, but I think we, we, I think we do tend to do that. And what I appreciated as well from our original conversation was that you said this, this, you may think that this is a unique experience, but in fact, it's more of a universal experience that people do things in their youth or do things in their lives that they're embarrassed about or ashamed of. And whether it's, you know, something as traumatic as being a mm -hmm. victim of violence mm -hmm. or whether it's just, you know, I I got pregnant or I, I you know, cheated on my yeah, husband or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we are ashamed of things that we do. We, we, we have we have there are events that that mm -hmm. take place that we don't care for. And yeah. so we blame ourselves for that mm -hmm. and we don't forgive ourselves. And I think if we, <laughs> I think if we all did, well, certainly there wouldn't be these great essays out there. <laughs> About the journey <laughs> right. that we took to take them That's and right. great podcasts, yeah. but I, uh, but I think we would all be happier people if we could if we could reconcile those things that, that we've done and and be okay with that. Yeah, it's amazing too because you, you know those themes that you speak to in the essay of of that kind of acceptance of yourself. Uh, 
has really just struck a chord. I mean, it's struck such a chord with the public and with readers and obviously with been reprinted and it's now being studied in classrooms. And so clearly the, 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 it's your story, but the, the universal questions, uh, that you evoke in the story are, um, are, are timeless. They really are. Do you find that you are since you've worked through the story, it's come out, you've talked to people about it. Do you find yourself doing your work differently or mm-hmm. yes, know, looking at the people that you talk to differently? Definitely. And that, that's, so? that's been a really interesting uh, outcome from this is how I treat my sources and how I conduct mm. interviews and how I, when I ask people to remember things, when I ask them to recount stories, yeah, I do that all the time. Sure. It never even occurred to me that people might be struggling with certain things or people might not remember things or or people might not want to remember things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing profiles. I'm, I'm interviewing people about their lives and I'm constantly saying, so, you know, what were you like when you were young and what did you do and where were you when you were 20 and, and what motivated you and so forth. And I'm, I'm always looking for those insights into people's lives. And mm-hmm. I realized that those insights might not be clear. There may not be insights, first of all, but mm-hmm. uh, people's perspective on their own lives might not be true mm-hmm. or what does true mean. Right. <laughs> um, that 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 truth is kind of a mutable thing. and Which is hard for a reporter. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, because I found myself questioning my own motivations and 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 trying to figure out why I did certain things and then so I'm I'm a lot more forgiving now when I talk to sources and I'm asking them and I'm a lot more aware cognizant of the questions that I have might be more loaded than I realize and might be probing things that people don't want to talk about and even when I'm talking to people and I know the subject matter is difficult and we've agreed that we're going to be talking about something that's difficult. I'm interviewing a woman, for instance, who's, you know, who suffered abuse or mm-hmm. who's had an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I realize that the questions I ask are loaded or, you know, d- d- informed differently mm-hmm. and that people are at different stages of their own forgiveness and acceptance. Sure. <clears throat> so they might they might be uncomfortable or they might they might not be able to answer mm-hmm. they might not be prepared to answer those questions yeah. and you know demanding that you know and and, say, and thinking well i'm going to ask that question another way i'll ask it two or three different ways in order to get an answer that maybe i maybe i shouldn't be asking that question maybe mm-hmm. i should be asking something else or that there might yeah. be that there might be more important factors at stake rather than just getting mm-hmm. an answer and even just the fact like learning about memory, which yeah. was, like I said, a fascinating uh, study in itself. When I talk to people and I ask them to recount things, I have to be wary now. How truthful is that really? And because we understanding more how memories are created and how mm-hmm. they're stored mm-hmm. and how they're remembered, uh, that certain memories might be more, uh, you know, true to true to life and certain might not be and and that was difficult as you say it was difficult because as a reporter i'm trying to get the truth the truth yes well what the heck is the truth truth? what's the truth what is it opposed to what's your truth what's my truth as opposed to your story 
Yeah, as opposed to your story. Right. Yeah. Because you're, what, what your piece does so beautifully is it really, uh, it makes us realize how we're all engaged all the time in creating our own story. Mm-hmm. And it's not just it's happening and it is what it is. We're creating it as yes. we go. Yes. Creating it right now. Yeah, creating it right now. The cult of Curtis Gillespie is right here. <laughs> right. Yeah, boy, <laughs> rampant non-bestseller. Um, did you uh, did you find, or or what did you find uh, when the story throughout the time where you came to realize that you were going to work on this, to the time that you were working on it, to now that it's out, now that it's it's such a successful and beautiful piece? Did how how did your family react? Yeah, that's because yeah, you, your kids are yeah, how old? eleven. I have twins, twins who are eleven, and yeah. they haven't read it yet. Mm. But I, it's not because I don't want them to yeah. read it. I don't know if they would understand it, and they haven't really asked to read it. Mm. Although they're quite aware of it. Oh, the breathing hole story! You know, the first thing they asked me this morning: Did you win? Did you win? Uh, wow, you know that's exciting, and and so they're very happy for me, and they know of this story. It's mm-hmm. been a part of their lives for sure. the past year. Yeah. Uh, they haven't read it yet, but I look forward to them reading it. Yeah. I want them to read it. I have told them a simple version of what mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone into any great detail. We don't talk a lot about sex yet <laughs> with my children, so uh, you know, there's issues there that they're going to have to. They're going to read it, and um, they're going to ask me what sexual assault mean. You know, uh, so I, but I'm totally prepared for that, and I look forward to the time right. and and it. It's one of the reasons I realized, I think, might have been one of the motivating reasons for me to write this. First of all, deal with it and to write it so that it can be, I don't want to say that it's something they can learn from, but something that will inform them Mm -hmm. going into their teenage years, which is a crucial time for uh, young women and young men. So, and it sounds like you have an openness now to yes. when those conversations are going to come up that maybe two or three years ago you might not have had the same mm-hmm, ability mm-hmm. or openness to talk to them That's when true. that day comes. Yeah. And, and I mean, I had written about this story for uh, for a book of women's writing called yes. Drop Threads. And right. I, I, uh, I did write about it right after the fact, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, mm-hmm. more so just just writing about the experience, and I really had no insight into it then. I, I remember describing it as like pieces of a mirror on the on the on the ground. You know, I saw these little things reflected up at me, but I wasn't sure how it all fit together. And I wrote about it as a traumatic experience, but it, this was a very different story because it was me looking back and mm-hmm. uh, twenty years later. I so people sort of knew the story, but I think lots of people didn't. All my current friends, of course, didn't know. And shocked, but not shocked, because guess what happened? A whole bunch of people disclosed stories to me, strangers and friends, through social media, through email, phone calls. Mm. Um, I said to some friends of mine that I've written a lot of stories for other people over 20 years this was a story for me. I wrote this yeah. one for me, right. finally. Right. Turns out it wasn't just for me, though, because all these, it seemed to resonate. And I had people calling me in tears, um, saying, you know, 
just like this brought back this memory for me. I haven't talked about it in 15 years. I was raped when I was a teenager. I was assaulted by my boyfriend. And a lot of men, male friends of mine, said, thank you for helping me understand my wife better because she went through this or my partner better or my daughter, for instance, you know. This touched a nerve for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful and I was overwhelmed, I have to say, in the beginning. When it first came out, I was overwhelmed because I was still dealing with it and I was um, coming to grips with everyone hearing it and Mm -hmm. everyone knowing it, people that didn't know it and, and, you know, getting used to saying, yeah, crazy, eh, imagine, you know, and people like shocked by it and also people disclosing stories to me which were shocking to me and like, you know, wow, you know, people, as you had said, how do you reconcile that person, who you are now and who you were then? People found it hard to imagine that I had been that person or that Uh had happened to Uh me. And I found the same for some of my friends, looking at them like, what? You've been, you've never told anyone or you've never dealt with this or you tried to deal with it then like I did and then it didn't work and you left it behind. So that was, I guess I suspected some of this might happen and I tried to prepare myself not knowing what would happen but the outcome has been um, tremendous and I'm grateful that this story has found resonance. Mm-hmm. I'm, I hope it helps people learn something about themselves mm-hmm. and, and face some things that they need to face. So I, I was, it was quite overwhelming and it was unexpected to the degree that it, mm-hmm. it happened. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm really happy that, that it did. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. <laughs> well, it wasn't unexpected to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But the, 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 the thing that I um, uh, am so impressed with in the article is that, you know, all the things you just alluded to uh, about how it's helped many people think about their own situation. It helps them find context for some of the things they went through. There's been so much sharing and so much disclosure. I mean, if you had set out to write the piece thinking that's what I'm going to do, I'm going to write a piece that's going to help people and they're going to learn from it, it would have been uh, unsuccessful. I was going to use a harsher word, but (laughs) it would have been unsuccessful. But Mm -hmm. because you didn't do that, because you made it such a, a deeply personal investigation, it's almost like the further you went, into making it personal, that's what allowed it to be universal. Mm. I had uh, no idea that that's what I was doing, but you're, yeah. it's, it's, it's exactly right. Yeah. It's exactly right. What do you think this means now for um, the way you go about your writing career from here on? Because, you know, up to this point, uh, you've been uh, successful and, and celebrated mostly for what we might call a faction. standard uh, faction, newspaper newspaper work or, or something that's a little bit more, as you say, documentary, mm-hmm. uh, and whereas this is much more personal, much more impressionistic, much more in a narrative style. Do you, what do you see happening now for, <sighs> I for, don't for know. Lisa of today Yeah, and tomorrow? It's, that's a good question. I don't think I'll ever write anything like this again. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure my husband hopes I never write anything like this again uh, because it was a it was a, a it was an emotional experience sure. and it was it was a long journey and so I do like writing personal I like writing essays I like writing personal stories but I 
yeah, I don't think I'll ever write anything quite like that. But it's interesting you ask because I'm sort of considering fiction. I'm not sure where I'm going to go with that, but mm-hmm. um, I've talked to some people about writing either some um, young adult fiction mm-hmm. or regular fiction. And the young adult fiction interests me, again, because of my daughters sure. getting into um, teenage years and how important it is to talk about issues of, around shame and, and violence and dating and mm-hmm. so forth. I... I'm interested in that, but it's very hard for me to think of switching gears into writing fiction, although I have friends, I have a particular friend who writes fiction, and he's like, you just make it up. It's great. You can just create characters, and you can do some, you can just, you know, you just you base it on other people that you know, and you yeah. just make these stories up, and it's liberating and awesome. I find it terrifying. So, mm. <laughs> because I think, What? Make stuff up that I I can't. I'm not allowed to. That's <laughs> the whole. That's not in my DNA. I'm supposed to be writing <laughs> right. facts. Yeah. So I'm exploring that. I'm. I feel as though I've come through a huge challenge, and I've met it, and I've. I wouldn't say overcome because you never really it. overcome. But I'm yeah. more. I'm more comfortable with this. Sure. But it was a. It was a really challenging um, time in my life, and I feel bolstered by it. Mm-hmm. I feel strengthened by, you know, accomplishing this and, and facing that challenge. And so I, I feel as though I I almost feel like I'd like another challenge now. It's like, okay, I was able to do that. I feel I feel good about it. And maybe I should try something else that's crazy and uh, outside my comfort zone again uh, and challenge myself mm-hmm. doing something like that. So I'm going to continue working at Inetsiak News as the managing editor there and working with a, an amazing team of, of writers and editors that I uh, that are quite dear to me. And I look forward to um, helping the reporters um, r- report very important stories from the North and about the North and about Inuit and about the Arctic mm-hmm. and the environment and so forth. I'm interested in that. I, I'm I, I can use my creativity in those ways as well to edit, sure, and shape stories and so forth. You know, I have some, I have some great mentors <laughs> in the editing department, so present company included. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so I'm I'm using my creativity and that way as well. But but in terms of writing, I'm 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 I may explore fiction. We'll see. I look forward to reading that as well. I can't wait. All right, so I'll be sending it to you next week. <laughs> what are you doing? You're going to be my editor. I'll clear my slate. I'll clear my slate. (laughs) Thank you. I think that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, Again, thank you, Lisa, for uh, joining us on Behind the Story. And uh, more importantly, thank you for publishing in 18 Bridges. Breathing Holes is timeless and uh, an important writing. Well, thank you very much, and and good luck. Uh, 18 Bridges, one of my favorite magazines in the country, so uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. Well, that's it for the first edition of Behind the Story. Uh, We'll be posting notifications on our website and other social media about future editions of the program, so keep a lookout. I'm Curtis Gillespie. Thanks for joining us.